how do we make sure that our daughters grow up with a healthy view of who they are and a healthy view of sex? That's the question that we are going to answer today on the Bear Marriage Podcast. Yes, sh- <laughs> we're going to try to. <laughs> yes, I am Sheila Ray Gregoire from BearMarriage.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence-based biblical advice for your sex life and your marriage. And I am joined today by my daughter, Rebecca Lindenbach. Which is very fitting, considering we're talking about a mother-daughter book. We are, because our book, She Deserves Better, Raising Girls to Resist Toxic Teachings on Sex, Self, and Speaking Up, is launching on April 18th. Mm-hmm. So we are almost there. And... On the podcast leading up to the release, we want to let you in on some of the findings from our huge survey of 7,000 women. And I know that a lot of the people listening are those 7,000 women. Yeah. A lot of the podcast listeners took this survey and you might be thinking, yes, finally, we're getting the answers. Yes. And I hope you find this fun. I hope you really enjoy hearing about what your your stories helped us discover. Exactly. So thank you to all of you who filled out the survey. Mm-hmm. This was a different survey than the one for the Great Sex Rescue. So in Great Sex Rescue, we surveyed 20,000 women. Mm-hmm. And then we were planning on doing this nice mother-daughter devotional afterwards, but we yes. realized <laughs> we were inundated by women saying, okay, Great Sex Rescue rescued me, but I have no idea what to teach my daughter now. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is our research in GSR, the Great Sex Rescue, just answered so many questions we had, but it also brought up more questions Mm -hmm. that our original survey simply couldn't answer because it just hadn't asked about it. Right. So we wanted to ask questions about, you know, the effects of different modesty messages, the effects of different purity culture beliefs that we hadn't previously measured. And so before we knew it, (laughs) this book had gone from a really sweet 30-day (laughs) mother-daughter devotional that you do in your local cafe over a croissant to becoming just the next barn burner Great Tech Rescue book, yes. but this time for adolescents. Yes. So it's it's a book for moms yep. to read to help you work through the stuff that you grew up with and disentangle mm-hmm. from, and then to help you figure out how to disentangle from the messages that your daughter's going to hear and yeah. how to prepare her to resist those teachings. There's although, lots of mother-daughter uh, questions and activities that go along with it, but the bulk of it is just to help you walk through the toxic stuff that girls can experience in youth group and in Christian culture. And we want to tell you why it's important that you Mm pre-order. When you pre-order a book, especially when you pre-order from Amazon or another online retailer, you tell that retailer, hey, lots and lots of people want this book. There's a big demand. And so then they order lots. And that means that when the book does launch, they're not going to run out of stock. (laughs) Yeah, because what often happens is if there's a big launch for a book and there's lots of interest, everyone buys it on launch day. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the day, oops, no more. And then it gets really complicated and she have to figure out where am I going to buy this? If you pre-order, you get rid of all that nonsense. You know you're going to get your book because they're going to order it for you well ahead of time. And also you're telling them, hey, this is a big deal. Yeah, buy lots and lots. And a lot of books bookstores stock the books that are doing really well on Amazon and mm-hmm. are the, and they look at the ones that are the big new releases. So when you pre-order, you help us. And I want to say, you guys did this so well for Great Sex Rescue. Mm-hmm. Like, the pre-orders were astounding. Yeah. And because of that, bookstores, Amazon, online retailers, they just ate that book up. And we're hoping the same thing happens for She Deserves Better because this is really Great Sex Rescue 2.0. But for the next generation to make sure they never need the Great Sex Rescue. Exactly. And we will have the launch team starting on March 13th. Mm-hmm. So this is your chance to get in on that. So pre-order and we will have more details about the launch team later. 
Yeah, and although we did write it for mothers of daughters, of course, we really do also hope that it's helpful and healing for, you know, just people who grew up in this themselves, Mm -hmm. whether or not you have a daughter. But also we do hope that like the youth leaders or the pastors or the people who have influence over the young girls in church, they also pick this up, even if they're not a mom of a daughter. Yeah. And understand that, hey, these are the kinds of messages that our young girls are growing up with. Exactly. So So over the next few weeks leading up to the release of She Deserves Better, we're going to go over some of our big findings on Mm -hmm. some key things. We looked at consent. Yes. We looked at sex ed. We looked at modesty messages. We looked at how to help girls have boundaries. Mm-hmm. We looked at dating, which is what we're going to look at today. Yes. Dating rules. Because well, this is the one that we get asked about all the time. Yeah. This is genuinely, I mean, there's a lot of things you ask about all the time, but this is one of the big ones where, I mean, just like we did for Great Sex Rescue, we ran a survey and I also did a bunch of focus groups. Mm-hmm. And I had so many people in the focus groups when I asked them, what kinds of things are you are you like kind of struggling with knowing what to do when you're raising teenagers? And a lot of it comes down to, I know I can't do the Josh Harris, I kiss dating goodbye thing, but goodness gracious, it does all seem to come down to dating and kissing. And if you date and you kiss and you end up having sex and what do I tell my 12 year old so that she doesn't have sex? <laughs> like there's, and, and, and I'm not trying to make light of that. Like it's genuinely stressful right. to be raising little people who are nowhere near smart enough yet to be handling these really big life yes. questions because they are 12 and no 12 year old is that smart no okay? exactly I don't care how how smart you are no one is ready for these kinds of questions yet at 12 yeah. and and it's hard to figure this out as a mom so we wanted to kind of talk to you about what we found a little yeah bit. so today we're going to deal with the dating stuff uh, subsequent weeks we'll deal with some of the other big picture findings mm-hmm. that we had um, but as we start I want to reassure moms who are raising the next generation, that if you are confused, if you don't know what to do, if you feel like, I know that I don't want what I had for my girls, but I have no clue what's supposed to replace it. I just want to tell those moms, there's a reason you feel confused. Oh, goodness. Yes. Like my goodness, some of our findings are interesting. So let me, let's just break this down by generation for a minute. And and let's get, let's paint a picture of the different generations. Now, interestingly, I was reading an article today that is redefining all the generations, which would make you not a millennial. That would make sense to me. What would I be? Gen Z. I was going to say, I'm not a millennial. I am more Gen Z. Because it used to be that millennials ended in 1996. Mm -hmm. And then 1996 to 1998 was this weird phase because they didn't know what people were. And then you had um, your Gen Zs after that. And you had this weird thing where your sister Katie is, where no one knows what generation they are. (laughs) The Twilight Zone. (laughs) Right. What they decided now is to do all the generations in 15 years. Okay. Which would mean that the Gen Alphas are the ones who were born in 2010 to 2000. 2025. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so my kids are Gen Alpha. Yes. And then your Gen Zs or Gen Z for all of you Americans listening. Yeah. <laughs> your Gen Zs are those who were born from 1995 to 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's largely because of the effect of social media. I was going to say that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing for me is I didn't grow up with AIM Messenger. Right. right. I grew up with Facebook. Yeah. And then your millennials were 1980 to 1995. Yeah. And your Gen X was me. <laughs> the gen before so, so you'd I, have you'd be gen x joanna would be millennial and i'd be gen z according to the new right like how people are trying to figure right. it out yes but what Which makes you, sense i'm the only one on tiktok yeah <laughs> <laughs> so there you go so um when you look at those generations how people handle dating in in high school is so different mm-hmm. so the generation above me 
Mm-hmm. So not me, but we're talking the boomers. Yeah. Okay. They all dated. Oh, like they all dated. <laughs> like like and, our, or, our, study, our stats show, and that's not just our stats, like lots of people have written about this. Yes. The older generations dated. They dated everyone. They had fun and they did. Dated was not a big deal. Yes. It was just part of growing up. Yes. Now, and if you add up the date, the, everyone who was allowed to date, because you, you can divide people into four categories. Okay. So if you, whether or not you dated and whether or not you were allowed to date. Yes. Because you might have people who dated and we're not allowed to date. Yes. <laughs> and you might have people who did not date, but could have dated. Exactly. And that okay. was me. Yeah. yeah. So four, four different categories. Um, and if you add up those who were allowed to date, mm-hmm. then if you look at the boomers, so the yeah. over 50s, you're, ta- you're talking about like 91% yeah. of people were allowed to date. If you look at the youngest generations that we measured, mm-hmm. so this is like your Gen Gen Z millennial sort of yeah. crossover, um, you're looking at 66% were yeah. allowed to date. But the, and so, you know, that's, 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 a, like, big that's a big difference. But the difference gets even bigger if you look at who actually did date. Yes. Okay. So for the boomers, if you look at who actually did date, you're looking at 78%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but if you look at the youngest generations, you're looking at 46%. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Who dated in high school. So this is a big difference. Mm-hmm. My generation is kind of in between, but still pretty much overwhelmingly dated. Yeah. <laughs> overwhelmingly. I think it was, so 73% yeah. dated. And I know that there's, they always get the pushback of, of like, well, I was, I was raised and I'm, I'm in an older generation and I wasn't allowed to date. It's like, we're not saying that every single person, right. what we're saying is that culturally there was a shift where it used to be only the more secluded or more extreme fundamentalist mm-hmm. groups. And then it suddenly became incredibly widespread. Yes. So that even your non-fundamentalist churches, even your like relative progressive mainline churches we're talking about dating as being a negative, a negative thing. thing yeah and that's that's what's different here it's not that it never happened it's yeah. just that it became widespread and mainstream on a ridiculously uh yeah. common level yeah in evangelicalism now um the way people dated also changed mm-hmm. um the boomers went on a lot more date. It wasn't it wasn't unusual. My mother talks about this all the time. And my mother grew up in an extremely conservative rural Manitoba, yes. <laughs> primarily Mennonite town. Okay. Yeah. Like you couldn't get more conservative, but yeah. everybody dated. And you would go to a different, you know, to to a dance with one person on Saturday and then you would go out for a milkshake with someone else on Thursday. That was not unusual. That was the norm. <laughs> and when, I think there's been other sociologists and stuff who talked about this too. Yes. Yeah, there have been. And then for my generation, for Gen X, you started seeing a lot more um, what they would have called going steady. Yeah, like full on relationships. Full on relationships. So it wasn't it wasn't just like I am going out with this one person tonight. It is like once we have kissed, we're now in a relationship. Yeah, we are exclusive. We are exclusive. Yeah. And um, in the 80s, uh, you saw teen pregnancy rates go crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, you saw a lot of drug use, you saw a lot of alcohol use. In fact, teen pregnancy rates and rates of sexual activity was higher in my generation in high yeah. school than it was in yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't, that's not evangelical. That's just, that's just from, that's like, you can look at Stats Canada. You can look at it yourself. We literally got the Stats Canada data in the book. <laughs> and, and, and the US, the US data oh, as yes, well. Yes. I know we tend to think it's Canadians, but yes, <laughs> yes, it, it was true that in the eighties, and that's one yeah. of the reasons that the, 
I Kiss Dating Goodbye True Love Waits movement came in was because there was a real epidemic. Yeah, of it was pregnancy. a reaction. It wasn't just out of nowhere. It was a very logical reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, kids are going wild. Kids are acting like they're grown ups. We need to teach them that they're not grown ups yet. Yeah. We need to make sure that they just calm themselves like <laughs> everyone needs to take a shower yeah. a cold shower by yourself yes. like just yes. calm down and so that's what they did is they threw a huge bucket of cold water yeah. on the millennials and on some Gen and they Z's. told them wait it's sexy yeah exactly <laughs> and all of a sudden this whole idea of dating didn't now and you, you even see that in the kissing stats yes like and if you look at the kissing stats if you're over the age of 50 yeah, pretty much a hundred percent of people kissed before they were married. Yeah, like, we it, asked this on our. It survey. was not a thing. No, to like, wait to kiss. It was. It was. It was very, very rare. Very rare. Yeah, <laughs> to the point that I, I. Yeah, it was very, very, very rare. But even among those who are like in their late thirties, early forties, it was still relatively rare. Oh yeah, we're not talking like twenty percent of people Mm-mm. were following the actual Josh Harris rules. But it wasn't zero anymore. Right. It wasn't, yes. And so you started to see it happening. Again, not in large numbers. No. <laughs> but there still were people. And we don't, and, and, and we're not saying that uh, it's wrong to save kissing for marriage. I think that with anything, that is, that is up to, between there you and God. There are risks and the, there are rewards. That's yeah. my, that's my thing. Is yeah. There are a lot of risks, I yeah. think. I think there are too. Um but I know couples who feel like God really told me to do yeah. that and it worked out well for them. So I am not saying don't do that. Exactly. I am just saying it is a major historical aberration. And and it also is not biblical. I it's mean, not even necessary. in Pride and Prejudice, they kissed as soon as they were engaged. I know. That was the big thing. Yes, you were allowed to actually have a... A, a kiss now. In Room with a View. In room with, a view. room with a View. As soon as they were engaged. Like, like a really ner- nerdy guy played yeah. by... Uh, who is the guy? Daniel Day-Lewis yes. in Room with a View. Who is the least nerdy person, but he played the most perfect nerd. I know, he did such a good job. In Room with a View. Yeah. Like, it, it, that was normal and that was set in what 1905 1903 i have no concept anyway of what time it was set. yeah Yeah, great movie by the way but 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 like this is the thing this idea that you cannot kiss until the wedding is a complete historical well i mean look at anna green gables even like when she was writing about about how gilbert kisses my neck and i know that it sends shivers and like she talks about all that and they were just dating they weren't even engaged they were just going steady yeah Right. And that was that was definitely in the early. That was like 1907. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so if Anne with an E Shirley can, yes. <laughs> can get some necking in. <laughs> like all we're saying is they were kind of incredibly prudish and even yes. they did this. So like we kind of just went a little bit. The pendulum swing swung really far yeah. in the 90s. And yeah. we did see in our stats that it does seem to have actually made a difference because more people were holding that first kiss until after they were married than had ever happened before as yeah far it as just was tell. not a thing that we yeah. could even find um in, in, in older previous, people in previous generations in my generation and in the boomers and so this really means that that people had very different dating rules yeah like people who are currently raising gen z and gen alpha right so your gen z's the youngest gen z's gen z's are currently what 13 14 uh, I, I think uh, the youngest like ones are around there. <laughs> and then if you have kids younger than that, they're Gen Alpha. Yeah. Um, so the parents who are raising the Gen Z's, the Gen, the Gen Alphas tend to be your older millennial parents. Yeah. They're like, they're the people who are in your thirties, maybe forties. Yeah. Maybe some, some young some, Gen yeah. X people. Yeah. But you know, so, so 
But you the people who up. grew up in the midst of I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Exactly. Like, they were given I Kiss Dating Goodbye probably by five different people by accident because everyone was handing it out. Yes. Right? Like, they probably went to, like, four conferences where every single one of them, you got a purity ring and I kissed Dating Goodbye. You got a purity ring for every finger. Like, yes. that's how common this stuff was. <laughs> yes. Like, and your toes, too, if yes. that wasn't seen and as we, And we measured that as well um, when people took purity pledges and yep. what, what effect the purity pledges had. Um, so this was, again, huge thing, but quite an anomaly. Mm-hmm. And it really came in in that 1990s um, and early 2000s and and it started to wane in sort of like the like the 2010s mm-hmm. now people don't have a clue what to do <laughs> and the problem is and the reason that we want to talk about this even though now the the trend is going away mm-hmm. a lot of people's kids are going to churches where the youth group leaders were raised in this then mm-hmm. went to bible colleges where they followed this advice and got married and they've never actually strayed outside of this and Maybe it worked really well for them. Yeah. What we've just heard is that there are so many people who, even though the congregants are deconstructing a lot of this stuff, the underlying beliefs are still present among church leadership in a yes. lot of these places because they're still in the bubble. They mm-hmm. haven't left that bubble. Yeah. They haven't experienced people getting hurt by it. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's not the case for everyone. But I've seen so many social media posts lately pushing back on people saying that purity culture has harmed them. That's people exactly keep, People it. keep sending them to me. People saying, you know, purity culture is not harmful. Yeah. No, purity culture is, is a desire for purity and it helped me. So let's just define yeah. purity culture right now um, because I know some of our listeners will be confused. I think the best way to define it is just let's talk about the word clouds. The word yeah. clouds just so perfectly encapsulated. It, it does. Okay, so here's here's something that we did um, as we were writing She Deserves Better. So I downloaded on my Kindle uh, some of the biggest books that were written for teen girls. Yeah, and a the lot ones of these that I were saw. big in purity culture. They're yes. not necessarily big now. There actually aren't a lot of books that are big now. There's just a big confusion and a big vacuum. Well, it says kids are on social media. They're not reading books in the same way. Like right. we, we tried so hard to find books that were published in the last five years yeah. that kids are eating up that are specific specifically about how to live as a Christian and yeah, they're just not, it's not it's like you go to uh, the Christian marriage and mm-hmm. bam love and respect right there and it's mm-hmm. always there and it's constantly being sold right there's not really an equivalent yeah because girls instead are on social they're media on Instagram. and they're following their favorite yeah. influencers but but we looked at the books that were big yes in you know the, that early 2000s to 2010s sort of thing so we looked at for young women only yeah um and the bride wore white mm-hmm. by Dana Gresh uh when God writes your love story mm-hmm. by Eric and Leslie Luddy um, Every Young Woman's Battle yep. by Shannon Etheridge. Passion and Purity Passion by Elizabeth Purity. Elliott. Mm-hmm. So all the ones that even if they're not being handed out in youth groups today, they mm-hmm. have created the culture that youth groups today are thriving on because they are what educated your daughter's educators. Right. Oh, That's and one more. At. Lies Young Women Believe right. yes. by Dana Gresh and Nancy Lee DeMoss. Yeah. Um, and so... <laughs> What I did was I, I I chose a bunch of words. I think I chose like a list of 150 words. Mm-hmm. And I compared how often those words appeared in these books and then how often they appeared in the New Testament. And then I chose the 50 words that had the most difference. Mm-hmm. Like um, in terms of like whether they were first or second or whatever. Yeah. So we put them in, in a chart. We did a statistical analysis of them yeah. and we looked at the ones that, that were the most different. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) here are five words that have the most difference that are way more common 
And the New Testament. Yes. Versus the books that are aimed at teen girls. Yeah. Okay. So here's books that are, here's words that are very common in the New Testament. Holy Spirit. Yeah. That was eighth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the, in the New Testament versus it was 37th. Yeah. Gospel. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 10th in, in the New Testament. 40th in books yeah. aimed at teen girls. Kingdom of God. Yeah. Okay. 14 in mm-hmm. the New Testament and 47. Yeah. <laughs> uh, money. Money. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Money was 16th in the New Testament. Yeah. 42 in books aimed at teen girls mm-hmm. and resurrection. Yeah. Okay. 19 in the New Testament, 50 in yeah. books aimed at teen girls. Yeah. The absolute last one. Yeah. Now, what do the books aimed at teen girls talk about? <laughs> okay, you go, so first one is sex. Yep, which is no surprise there. It yeah. is the second most common one that we found yeah. mm-hmm. in uh, in the Christian books aimed at teen girls versus number 24 in the New Testament. Right. Then the word tempt. Yeah, tempt <laughs> is 11 in the books to teen girls and 34 mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Virgin. Yeah virgin oh yeah 19 in the books to teen girls versus 39 and let's remember that when it's in the new testament it's not referring to like virginity and sex it's It's a descriptor of a young woman who isn't married yet that's just what they were called yeah and or it was referring to the virgin mary so it's like yeah it's even more it's not like stay a virgin yeah it's it's even even more dichotomous than that lust yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And lust was twenty was twenty fourth versus forty fifth, almost dead last yeah. in the New Testament. And one of our favorite words, modest. Yes, modesty. modest slash modesty was twenty seven in the Christian Teen Girls books and was forty ninth in the rank yeah. of the New Testament. And so we create this really cool word cloud, which you will yeah. have to wait to get the book to see. Again, mm-hmm. you can pre order. She deserves better now. Yeah. Um. Uh. But but in the word cloud, when you look at it. And you see um, what words are super common. It's what- amazing because in the New Testament one, mm-hmm. like Jesus is huge. Yeah. Like Jesus, it just kind of takes over a lot of the space there. And then in the one for teen girls, it's sex. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Like sex is as big as Jesus. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Love, sex, sex marriage, marriage, purity, tempt, kiss, wait, husband. <laughs> it's just And in the and in the New Testament it's, it's like pray, pray peace. peace believe lord love <laughs> like holy spirit it's it's just such a big difference and that really encapsulates what purity culture was is yeah. it took girls faith mm-hmm. and it reduced it to whether or not they'd had sex yes and they'd say things like you can have secondary virginity and things like that but really what it all came down to is you are either pure or you are not mm-hmm. and it became this very dichotomous thing and sex became incredibly shameful any feelings of sexual you know desire were absolutely just anathema it was something where you were being rewarded the less that you were sexual right absolutely it's not just about having chastity it was about being not even like a a not even a, a passing thought Mm-hmm. of anything sexual like the, like we read i read in brio growing up about how any 
um, physical contact was sexual contact. So even holding hands was a sexual act. Right. right? Like, right. like all, everything was sexual intimacy. Yeah. It was all things that if you did it with this guy, the really common purity culture trope everyone talks about is the whole idea of the crumpled up piece of paper or the soiled water or in my case, in my youth group, the um, empty box of gummy bears where every single thing that you do with some other guy is mm-hmm. something that you will never get to do for the first time with your husband. That's something you've taken away from your future husband. Yeah. And so girls, girls faith is defined by whether or not they have had a penis inside them. Yeah. And we talked in our podcast, The Myth of the Magic Penis, about how harmful this idea is, especially to sexual assault survivors. Oh, goodness. And and they always tried to backpedal and make it Well, like, not always. No, I mean, well, we have I, some horrible examples. Yeah, we have examples. some horrible examples where they did not try at all. But yeah. the good ones tried to backpedal it a bit. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you can't get around that. Yeah. When your entire theology is girls are only pleasing to God if they still have a hymen intact, right. which I know is not yeah, true. And, but like, yeah. I'm being hyperbolic, okay? Yes. But like, if, if that's that kind of mentality, it, it does automatically tell people who have been sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. you are just, you're used up. And that's yeah. horrific and evil. But yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. And it was far more aimed at girls yes. than it was at boys. Yeah. Even though... Um, and, and a great example, a perfect example, is from the the book When God Writes Your Love Story. Mm-hmm. Um, they include a story of a couple that's going to a Christian college, and they're both virgins, and they start dating, and they end up having sex one night, and mm-hmm. um, and this causes a huge turmoil. And what they say is that she has lost her most precious gift. Yes, it doesn't say that the two of them have lost their most precious. No, gifts. no, it's like no, it's just her. Yeah. Even though the Bible calls both to chastity. Today. Well, and the other thing that I love that's a perfect example of this is actually the research that Felton had done mm-hmm. in her books. Yes. So she did these surveys where she for asked... For her book for young her, women yeah. only. Yeah. For her books for young women only and for young men only. She did surveys for young women only. She surveyed young men and for young uh, men only she surveyed young women. Yeah. In the survey to men, mm-hmm. she asked boys if they wanted to marry a virgin one day. Right. In the survey to girls, she didn't ask them that. Right. So girls are expected to be virgins. Yeah. But boys aren't. Right. And, you know, that wasn't on purpose, but it, it showed this bias yeah. that we had that girls' purity is to be expected and boys can't really help themselves. Right. So girls so girls now, as part of purity culture, are largely responsible for making sure that boys don't sin because so much of this was about modesty messages. And, and again, we cover all of these and she deserves better. Yes. So, so, so purity culture, when we're talking about the problems with purity culture, we're not saying that people shouldn't have an ethic of sexuality where sex is meant for marriage. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that the, the emphasis as a girl's worth mm-hmm. being on something that she cannot change or that may have happened in the past yeah. is completely unbiblical. Or even wrong. the idea that having had sex changes your identity. Yes. Because that was a big thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And it, it's it's really problematic. Well, what's so funny mm-hmm. is the thing is when you have so much focus on virginity, mm-hmm. it becomes incredibly, incredibly important that no one has sex, right? right. Yes. And so what happens is you create incredibly uh, legalistic rules around dating. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we saw, right? So yes. there were all sorts of... I mean, I grew up in the thick of this, okay? Yeah. So Harris's book came out when exactly? But it was I still going... I believe it was 1997. But it was going strong goodbye. when I was 13. Yes, for YouTube, I have it here. And 
I have it with one of our hazardous material stickers. Yes. So we have these available in our store as well. They're mm -hmm. awesome stickers. I designed you can, them. That you can put on your books so that on the bookshelf, it says warning, warning harmful. harmful. And then on the front cover, it says there's a warning um, sign, warning icon, and it says hazardous materials. This book contains teaching statistically proven to cause harm. This book is for research purposes only. <laughs> so if you are a pastor or a counselor and you have harmful books and you want to keep them on your bookshelf for reference but but these make great conversation starters because yeah. then you can tell people why they're yeah. bad so we have these stickers on all of these books we have i kiss dating goodbye here which was joshua's yep. first uh, and then boy meets girl boy meets girl yeah yep and, and then, he has he has avowed he has disavowed these books yes, by the yes. way so and we we are grateful that yes. he has uh done that yeah um also passion, passion and purity, purity which is just Elizabeth a hot Elliot. mess yeah um yeah. no yeah. but but i grew up i grew up with all this stuff right mm -hmm. when i was uh, when I was growing up, Barlow Girl was huge. We yeah. all listened to Average Girl. Anyone yes. who grew up in the same era as me or even remotely close to me knows mm. Average Girl. You know, we grew up with all these anthems about how we weren't going to date. I mean, I read Braille magazine religiously. Mm -hmm. um, we loved it. I had a blog. We tried to find it. If I find it, I will put it in the Patreon. Yeah. I have an old blog post that I wrote or shared or something about how, like, you know, the right guy will find you and you shouldn't do anything because yes. your job is to make sure that you don't do a single darn thing until a boy comes and finds you yes um because one of the big things that happened was it made dating purity culture made dating into a sin issue mm -hmm. because it became about whether or not you trust god enough yeah that's what they made it about they said mm -hmm. are you willing to trust god enough with your love life yep and I remember reading all these articles about how I was supposed to wait mm -hmm. and not just wait to have sex. Right. But I was supposed to wait for God to bring me the right man, mm -hmm. not to meet the right man. <laughs> like, I cannot emphasize enough how much it was not about like anything remotely logical yes. it was just that god would literally bring me the right man yeah and this and and this is one thing we did in she deserves better in our in our dating um chapter is we said okay look we have all of these different dating rules and yeah. we want to analyze these four different groups right dating Dating, but not allowed. Yeah. Allowed to date and date, not allowed to date, and whatever it was. Whatever, like the, the quadrants. Yes, you, you know what I'm talking about. And we said, what are the outcomes? Yeah. And the problem was, during purity culture, the only outcome that mattered was, are they a virgin on their wedding night? Mm -hmm. That was the only outcome that mattered. Yeah. And we said, what if there's other outcomes that matter? Yeah. Like, what if the outcomes, like, are they going to marry a, a dangerous person? Yeah. Like, are, what about marrying an abuser? Are yeah. you more or less likely to marry an abuser in these different categories? What about just your general feelings of self-worth and mm -hmm. self-esteem? Like, yeah. I mean, as moms, we don't want our daughters to have horrible, horrible images of themselves. Right. But then there's just simply, you know, if you wanted to get married, mm -hmm. are you married? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, are you, did you have the skills that you needed to like, you know, the opportunities, the whatever to get married? Because, and, and you know what? If people are single and they want to be single, that's awesome. awesome. Yep. That Bible clearly says that's yep. the better choice. Yep. Um, we also know that there are a lot of single people that 
don't necessarily want to be single. Well, we hear from them all the time. Yeah, and and the church is not set up for that. No, nope. the church is well. The church not... isn't set up for the singles who want to be single. No, that's true. <laughs> the church is not set up for single people at all. No. Um. And and so you know, I think this is worth asking. I know it's it's, it's a difficult question to ask, but mm-hmm. it's worth asking. Like, I think that should be an outcome variable. Yep. If people wanted to get married. Were they able to get married? Yeah. Have they gotten married? Well, especially when you look at just the horrific advice that we were given. Let's just, let's read the advice because I think what we're, what we're saying will become very, very clear. Yes. Once we read this absolutely horrific advice from and, Brio and Magazine. Where, yes, Brio oh, Magazine. And, and who published Brio Magazine, Rebecca? Focus on the family. Okay. So why don't you read this? Okay, so this particular thing came from a article, a recurring segment that they did mm-hmm. called I Said, God Said, which, first of all, there's already major mm-hmm. theological considerations that they literally put words in God's mouth. Yes. So I will say that. Like, yes. they literally said this is what God says. Okay, right. not this is Brio Magazine's advice based yeah. on a biblical understanding of blah, blah. No, no, no. It's I said, God said. So. Okay, here we go. Okay, so here's what it is. God says this, apparently. I would love to help you find your future husband, but I need you to do your part. I need you to give me total control of your love life. Let me write your love story. Trust me to bring the right man into your life. I want to relieve you of all that pressure. She says, but I still have to be on the lookout, right? And then God says, no, (laughs) you don't have to do anything except be totally in love with me. She says, you mean... I don't even have to look for him. And they double down with God saying, no, that's my job. Your job is to trust me. She says, this sounds too good to be true. I don't even have to look for him. Once again, they have God saying, all you have to do is be totally in love with me. So not only did it be a passing, they have her asking this like three times. And each time God is like, don't look, do not recognize men. Go outside with blindfold on, only pray, no boy. Like this is what they had us doing. No, and I thought this was so romantic. Like the funny thing is with Great Sex Rescue, this is what I find with Great Sex Rescue. I didn't read any of these books. I didn't grow up in a household that told me that my worth was less because I was a woman. Yeah. This, oh, this is my stuff. Yeah. This is what I this grew up true, with. This is true, actually. Like in writing, she deserves better. You and Joanna got way more excited about oh, the stuff yeah. we were taking down because this is what was formative for you. Oh yeah, you have no idea. I had an entire blog dedicated to pretending I was a princess in a tower. Okay. Mm-hmm. And again, there might be a day where I am brave enough to read that to the Patreons, the yeah. patrons. But yes. there, this was like this whole princess in a tower idea of dating was mm. so, it, it resonated with my 13 year old soul. Yeah. Right. And this wasn't just for Brio. I want to read you something else. This is from, um, I'm not going to say who it is, but this is, these are from influencers who are really, really big mm-hmm. um, today. today on social media. And they were answering a similar question about. Yeah. Um, about dating and how you find the right guy. Yeah. And this is what they said. Maybe you've done all the things. You've gotten to know him. You even have a friendship with him. You know for a fact that he's an amazing, godly guy. He seems awesome in every way, minus the fact that he hasn't asked you out. Ah, that's the hardest place to be. My advice, be patient and trust God. Don't manipulate the situation. Ask God for the strength to trust this area of your life to him. Pray Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and meditate on it. Open up your hands and surrender your crush. Trust that God wants what's better for you than you even want for yourself. Try focusing on serving God. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to say, this isn't like 
this isn't a terrible thing to say. To a 12-year-old. To a 12-year-old. <laughs> right. Or like a 14-year-old. But the issue is that these are, the, this we're writing the same advice. This thing Brio got into, this is the same thing Instagram influencers are getting into. This is what you're hearing in church is because our whole idea about dating is just about don't have sex until you're married. Mm-hmm. And we're expecting people to get married at 20 years old. Mm-hmm. The advice that they give 13-year-olds and 30-year-olds is the exact same. Yeah. Like we don't change the advice from yeah. 13-year-olds and 30-year-olds. Yeah. And there is this this assumption, and you see it over and over again in Passion and yeah. Purity by Elizabeth Elliot that, and we saw, saw it in, it was really in everything that we yeah. read, that if you want to find a guy, mm-hmm. the best thing you can do is to love God more and more and more. Yeah. Because yeah. if you love God more and more and more, he will give you a guy. I think we even have a heading in our book that God is not a boyfriend vending machine. Or yes. Like and that. so And so it's like, all these girls who really, really, really wanted a boyfriend yes. spent hours on their devotions <laughs> yes. to prove to God, see, I'm worthy of you sending me a boy. Yeah. And it became a really spiritually manipulative, like it just, it, people just got in a real spiritual, like how do you even relate to a God like that? Yeah. You know, I want a boyfriend so badly, but the only way to get a boyfriend is to show, to, well, is God, to show becomes... God that I don't actually want a boyfriend. I want you most. No, God is a jealous, manipulative boyfriend then. That yeah. is what God was. Like yeah. as, as again, as a girl who grew up in it, God was the jealous, manipulative boyfriend. And the mm-hmm. number of articles that you can find on Brio, you can even go on the Wayback Machine and read old Brio articles yeah. that portray God as this weirdly jealous, manipulative, like almost like in those enemies to lovers, like bad fan fictions, mm-hmm. right? Like that's how how God feels in a lot yeah. of these things. It's like, yeah, but God's this brooding, dark and handsome man up in heaven being like, I want you to love me more than you love him versus God just wanting us to be healthy and yes. good and to serve him and to seek, you know, justice and, and to yes. walk humbly with him, to yes. love mercy. Yes, because like, obviously we are to love God most. Oh, obviously. obviously. But loving God most does not mean that we aren't allowed to want a boyfriend or want to get married. It doesn't mean we have to, to have a married. crush on God. Because what it we does. were told, right, and what we were told over and over again was that if you want to get married, you have to make sure that you want God more. And in fact, yeah. if you want to get married too much, God will make sure you don't get married. And so it's like you need to convince yourself that I don't really want to get married in order to get married. Because otherwise you're making marriage into an idol. And it just went on and on and on in this weird thing. And so I, I just want to read, I want to read, our, this to our listeners, mm-hmm. okay? So this yeah. is this this is two paragraphs from our dating chapter in yeah. She Deserves Better. This all sounds very holy, but is it even biblical? There's no biblical warning against women being forward in pursuing relationships. Ruth was forward with Boaz and was called a righteous woman. And yet we keep telling our young girls that if they want to get married, the best thing they can do is finish another devotional. The princess in the tower model of dating is a lie. Regardless of how romantic it seems, if your daughter wants to get married someday, a strategy involving getting someone's phone number is likely to be more effective. (laughs) When we talk about bad dating outcomes, we often mean breakups, unplanned pregnancies, or dysfunctional marriages. But what if an overlooked bad outcome is unwanted singleness? Just a note for those of you who are watching on YouTube, and even for those of you who aren't, I want to tell you that Rebecca and I are both drinking out of our lovely merch. <laughs> I have a Bear Marriage mug, which has our logo on it. Rebecca has our, which one are you drinking from? Yeah, the Biblical Womanhood one or the Be a Biblical Woman. Right. That's I'm going to be womanhood. honest. We have two. We have one that's like Be a Biblical Woman, and the <laughs> other one is Biblical Womanhood, and I can never remember which one is But which. they're both awesome. But they're both excellent. They're they, both a Biblical Womanhood, and they're both turning the stereotype on its head. Right. And we also have 
have so many. We have love and respect merch. We have fixed it for you merch. And my it's personal all available favorite at the store. Yes. My personal favorite right now is currently the I put the man and household management merch. Right. <laughs> Just for, for your equal labor kings. <laughs> yes. So remember that when you buy our merch, we have mugs, we have stickers, we have canvas yep. uh, prints for the wall. We have t-shirts, we have notebooks, we have canvas bags. And when you buy the merch, you help support the blog. Mm-hmm. So they make great gifts for graduates, for teachers, for whoever, uh, for I don't know why I'm talking school, but they make great gifts for anyone. So go check out the merch at baremarriage.com and click on store. We all know that we want, we don't want our daughters to have the what ifs of what if I hadn't married an absolute just dangerous abusive man. Yeah. We know that. That's the biggest That's what the if. biggest one yeah. we all have. Mm-hmm. But there also is like we, we also can't discount. There are so many psychological studies that show the profound impact of loneliness. And mm-hmm. singleness is not the same as loneliness. Right. But singleness when you want to be married when you're when you when your soul you want to be a wife or a mother or something like that mm-hmm. that is a deep loneliness you know yeah. again singleness does not equate to loneliness right and in fact uh, some of the most lonely people are those in abusive marriages and that's just, yeah and also yeah. there's a lot of studies that actually show that single women do quite well if they are happy being single <laughs> right but what about those who aren't happy being single and the only reason that they're single is because they didn't have the skills to find the person they wanted to marry yeah because they were told so much you know um be careful what you dress because yeah. you don't ever want to draw attention to yourself. Yeah. It's wrong to draw attention to yourself. It's wrong to talk to any boys. Also, boys if a boy is scary. flirting with you and you flirt with him, then you will have defrauded him and you've mm-hmm. now taken something from him. And talking to boys becomes really scary. And boys are all these lustful monsters. And so you're kind of like, I don't really know if I want to talk to you, but I want to get married. Like it, It's so unnecessarily confusing mm-hmm. what girls are given mm-hmm. in this culture. And we've just heard from so many women who are now like they message us and they're saying like, listen, like I am now I I, I don't want to get married anymore. But like I spent 15 years trying to find someone, but I just didn't I don't even know how to talk to men. Like I don't mm-hmm. know how to talk to guys. I never did. And yeah. that's that's what's just I think that's the kind of thing we actually do need to talk about a little bit because it's unfair if we give our daughters a false gospel that is a prosperity gospel about what you know as someone who really desperately wanted to be a mom yeah i really wanted to be a mom you know if i had had someone lie to me about god in a way that meant that i didn't become that Mm -hmm. that would be a profound betrayal a profound betrayal yeah. Um, and I think a lot of women are experiencing that. And my concern is that we're raising, in a lot of circles, we're raising young girls to also experience that betrayal completely unnecessarily. Yep. Yep. And that's why, you know, we need to, when we're thinking about what dating rules we should have for our kids, if we should have dating rules, we need to think, okay, what stage are they in life? Mm-hmm. And how can we be moving our girls towards making wise decisions that are based on emotional wholeness and health mm-hmm. rather than just reactive decisions mm-hmm. that are based out of fear? Or trying to control their behavior. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because honestly, like me reading all this stuff about how you don't need a boyfriend when I was 12 years old, I th- I know the guys that I had crushes on at 12 years old. I'm very, <laughs> I am very grateful for the advice that I did not need a boyfriend at 12 because holy, Oh boy, (laughs) that would have, honestly, yeah, that was, yeah. Anyway, like I know as a 12, 13 year old, the advice I needed was totally different. And the reason that I 
feel like I got out of this stuff very unscathed is because mm-hmm. we completely ditched it by the time I was Oh, yeah. I gave you I Kissed Danny Goodbye yeah. at 13. I gave Less it to you. Less than three years later, we were fully the other direction. Yeah. We were like, yeah, how can we get you a boyfriend? And one of, <laughs> and one of the big reasons was because um, I realized it didn't stop heartache. Yeah. Just because you weren't dating didn't mean that you didn't have heartache. And I think that's where a lot of these dating rules come in, though, because as moms, we don't want our kids to have this heartache. Right. We don't want our kids to hurt. Right. And I think a lot of people, especially those who did date in high school, they're like, but I just know how much it hurt. Yeah. And I guess the thing that I want to say is that the other side doesn't necessarily hurt less. Yeah. Maybe our goal is not protecting our daughters from getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Maybe our goal is not protecting our daughters from, you know, experiencing heartache, but is rather teaching our daughters how to make wise decisions, knowing that heartache is always going to be a risk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so with all that, mm-hmm. what were the dating rules that worked? Yeah. And you know what? There, depends. It depends. <laughs> there, and this is and this is actually one of the exciting find. I think this yeah. is actually exciting. Yeah. Okay. There's nuance. There is nuance. There is no. Now there's a level where like not being allowed to date and then dating anyway. Oh yes, there are certain things that are always bad. Yes. But there isn't one of those quadrants that is best for everything. Yeah. Okay. So the overall best thing that you can do. Yeah. Is being allowed to date, but not dating. Yep. For most for things. For most things. Um, it is not necessarily the best for getting married overall. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you want to get married, the best thing is to date in high school. It's a date. Yeah, <laughs> date in high school. Because the kind of people who date in high school are probably also going to be the kind of people who are going to find someone to marry. And there's two different reasons for that, right? If mm-hmm. you choose not to date, you might just not be interested in a relationship. You might yep. be like, you know what? I'm doing my thing. I'm fine. Yeah. You know, or, but the other thing is that also is going to include the group of people who were available to date, mm-hmm. but who they either took themselves out of the dating equation entirely right. mm-hmm. versus the people who are out there dating make sense that they're going to be pursuing long-term relationships and that they've already kind of shown that they know how to get one. Yeah. So if we want to look at like saving sex for marriage, self-esteem, yeah. and not marrying an abuser, being allowed to date, but not dating yeah. is really good. Yeah. The problem is you can't. Do that to your kids. You There's, can't control as that. As a parent, you cannot control it. No. Nope. I want to I stress that again. Yes. The best outcome for your child is one you that can't as a parent, yeah. you cannot control. It is, is allowing your child to date, but have them choose not to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you can't say, no, you're allowed to date, but, but I don't want you to. So you're technically, like, you can't do that. No. Yeah. And this is what's hard as a parent yeah. is that, and this is why... She Deserves Better is all about helping parents have the conversations with your kids so that you can move them towards wisdom, Mm -hmm. towards a deep spiritual life with God, towards emotional health and wholeness so that they are going to make good decisions for them and Mm -hmm. they're going to be the kind of partner that people are going to want or they're going to be able to choose what they want. You you want your child to have as many opportunities as possible. You don't want those opportunities cut off for them. But you can't control it yeah and i think the thing is if we focus on wisdom on discernment on having skills on having confidence on being able to use your voice and stand up and be like and eh, no that's not okay with me mm-hmm. then either they're going to be the kind of kid who's like frankly i no, no one here is the kind of guy i want to date no one here is the kind of person who i want to see myself with long term they're going to choose that's what happened to me right yeah that's that was me in high school i was allowed to date you know i was actively trying to find someone to date and i just it never worked out because I was like the kind of the guys who wanted to date me. I was like, it's just not a good match. Yeah. And I knew that. And then I found Connor and 
we got married. Uh, <laughs> that's genuinely what happened. But there's also people who, if you have wisdom and discernment and you start dating when you're younger, mm-hmm. that's, you're going to be a lot more protected, mm-hmm. right? Like we know lots of people who started dating in high school and they're really happy, yep. you know, because again, the goal isn't whether or not your kid dates. Mm-hmm. The goal is whether or not you ha- your kid has the skills to make the right decisions for them. And right. for some kids, that's going to mean dating. And for some kids, it's going to mean holding off because there just isn't anyone mm-hmm. who is healthy for them to date. Yeah. And so the moral of the story is we cannot recreate a purity culture with a bunch of rules, but they're just mm-hmm. different rules yeah. than the purity culture. That's not going to work either. The only thing that works is relationship with mm-hmm. your kids and helping them develop wisdom and and emotional health. And that's yeah. what other studies have found too. Do you want to share this one from Georgia? Yeah, there was an interesting one that uh, that was combating because the, the typical idea is that dating is a normal aspect of psychosocial development that is necessary for adolescent well-being. That's often what's discussed in psychological circles. I definitely heard that in university when my <laughs> adolescent psychology class is that everyone dates, it's healthy, it's necessary, you need to do it to grow up healthy. But then the studies come out that found that non-dating students had similar or better interpersonal skills and they're more frequently dating peers. And while the scores of self-reported positive relationships with friends at home and at school did not differ between dating and non-dating peers, teachers rated the non-dating students significantly higher for social skills and leadership skills than their dating peers. Students who didn't date were also less likely to be depressed. Teachers' scores on the depression scale were significantly lower for the group that reported no dating. Additionally, the proportion of students who self-reported being sad or hopeless was significantly lower within this group as well Mm -hmm. so before we jump to that being not dating is good and everyone who dates is going to be depressed and not have good social skills that's not what this said no we are not saying that if your daughter dates that she's gonna have terrible outcomes. oh gosh no no we really aren't we're just saying like on average and remember this is just on a population basis this isn't for each individual okay (laughs) so on a population basis the the Ones with the best outcomes on most things, not on everything, Mm -hmm. but on most things are being allowed to date, but not dating. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we have to be careful. Like, we're not trying to say that the goal is to have a daughter who doesn't date. Right. The goal is to have a daughter who has the same qualities as the girls who does well, regardless of if she dates or not. Exactly. Okay, like that's the goal. And so we have to look at the data and ask, why is it that girls who choose not to date are more likely to have beneficial outcomes? Frankly, my uh, my hypothesis here, maybe yep. just hypothesize. This is what happens in research, by the way. You find a bunch of data. You try to figure out what goes on. And this is what will typically be your discussion of your paper, okay? Like, yeah. what I think is happening. Uh-huh. As someone who's in that that group, okay? Right. I'm, I'm the one who grew up. I was allowed to date when I was 15, 16, 17, 18. And, well, 18 I did date. But anyway, I was yeah. allowed mm-hmm. to date in, in high school. But I just didn't. Yeah. I do wonder how much of it is that they just might be a little bit pickier. Yeah. Or, I was super picky, okay? Yeah. Like, I was not simply going to date someone because I was like, I have too much going on. I have three jobs. I am doing university courses online. Like, I was busy, yeah. okay? I was yeah. not going to waste my time with a boy who I knew wasn't really going anywhere. Right. Right? Um, even though I was happy to go on dates with people, to, and I felt I had put a lot of feelers out there be like, will this work with me and him? And it just, it just never did. And I was never afraid to just turn someone 
someone down because I had yeah. confidence. Yeah. And I don't think it's because I didn't date. I think it's because I had confidence. Right. And the one well. is more likely to lead to the other. So again, this is not something yeah. which you can have a rule about. Yeah, like if I had <laughs> met someone who I who I liked when I was 16, I dated them, I wouldn't have had worse outcomes. No, it's not something you can have a rule about. Yeah. You can't control it. So this does not mean, please hear us here, we are not saying that no one should ever date. No. Or that the goals have a kid who doesn't date. Right. What we are saying is that the goal should be emotional health Mm -hmm. and a good relationship with your kids so they can make good decisions for them. And there's going to be different kids where the decisions are going to look different depending on their, their, who they meet, when, what they're doing in their life. It's all different. And so we shouldn't make it about dating. Yes. We should make it about wisdom and discernment. Yeah. This is about asking ourselves as parents, what kinds of skills does my child need to become part of the group that does well? And Mm -hmm. how can I make sure that they have those skills so that if they date, they aren't part of the average that does worse than than the kids who don't. Right. But also, how can we make sure that if they are not dating that they're, you know, part of the average that does quite well. Well, and if they're not dating in high school, what you want to make sure of is that when they're 22, 23, they're ready to date. Yes. Or however old, you know, like once they're, once they're of marriageable age and opportunity, if they want to get married. If they want to, yeah. Are you setting your child up to... A, be a good match. Yes. Okay. So especially for boys, make sure they know how to do housework. Okay. Like, yeah. like make sure that your kids can stand on their own two feet and make sure they have social skills. Yeah. Because, and, and that means, you know, getting your kids out of the bubble mm-hmm. um, and making sure that they can talk to the opposite sex, making the opposite sex not scary. Yeah. We heard that over and over again from so many women and I've heard it from guys too. Yeah. I just didn't know how to talk to boys. Yeah. I had no clue how to talk to boys. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I love talking about this from a research perspective versus a, like, you know, what do we want biblically or something? Because we, we can talk about it biblically, but there's no, there's no rules in the Bible about dating. No. There's no rules about, I mean, for Pete's sake, they were still doing dowry systems and you could be multiple wives. Like, yeah. like the, <laughs> the Bible and biblical times are not exactly the kinds of relationships we should be emulating no, today. It, no, absolutely not. Okay. And so there isn't a biblical precedent for this. And so when there's not a biblical precedent, I find it as someone who is trying to raise kids right now, who's not dealing with this quite yet, but dealing with a lot of other things. It's so soothing to be able to look at the data and Mm -hmm. say, what is the actual goal here? Mm-hmm. We want our daughters to have more than what we had growing up. In even for people like me who had it really, really, really good. Yeah, you know, like I think we just as moms, that's our heart cry, and we hope that this evidence-based approach to figuring these things out. Even though we're not going to be able to give you a blueprint, no, nope. we're not going to be able to give you a blueprint. But what we do give you is a way to talk about this stuff yes. with your daughter, because that's what is most yeah. correlated with good outcomes is if you can have a good relationship with your kids. I mean, you would be hard you would be hard pressed to find a study that shows <laughs> that the ability to talk openly with your parent about hard topics leads to bad outcomes. Exactly. Like every so, single study. You know, and so at the end of our dating chapter and yeah. we have a dating chapter and we have a chapter on how to help girls recognize toxic people mm-hmm. and toxic dating matches at yep. the toxic end, friends, toxic yep. groups, toxic at, yeah. at the end of those chapters we have discussion questions and activities mm-hmm. that you can do with your daughter to help her start to grow her discernment and and to have some of these uncomfortable conversations or what can be uncomfortable conversations with your daughter so um again 
please pre-order. She deserves better. Those I'm excited to share with you these first uh, these first findings that we have shared on the podcast mm-hmm. about what we found in our survey. And coming up, we've got some of the more controversial and angering stuff about yes. consent and modesty. And <laughs> I think I, I actually think the dating stuff is probably going to be the most controversial. Personally, mm-hmm. I think the dating is going to be the most controversial. I don't think the rest of it is going to be that controversial. We're saying that kids mm-hmm. should learn about consent. Yes, uh, yes, you know. So we but. Were- Mm-hmm. It's not controversial, but it is eye-opening. That's it is. what it is. It's, it's that there is stuff that is happening even today in youth groups that you would not believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so we need to know this as parents. We yeah. need to know this because our kids need us to be there for them so that we don't have a repeat of yeah. what happened with millennials and young Gen Xs mm-hmm. and old Gen Zs. Yeah. Just pretty much everyone. Just I'm going to be honest. It's not even a repeat. We just need to no. stop yeah, it happening. Just stop. We just need to we stop. We just need to stop. Right. Yeah, just yeah. stop. So our launch team starts on March 13th. Yes. So if you pre-order the book, you get to join our launch team, which means you're going to get access to the book on March 13th, not yes. April 18th. Um, we're going to have exclusive webinars for you, mm-hmm. um, which are going to be awesome. We're going to have Facebook Lives every week. Uh, we're going to have... I mean, a lot of you were in the Great Sex Rescue launch group. And yeah, it I think was like so 800 fun. of you were. And it was, it was a blast. It was so much fun. And we got to know so many people. And it's going to be like that again. Yeah. So if you're in the previous launch group, just come and join. Yes. You know, buy the book, come join. And so we will, that will all be on the blog and on social yeah. media on March 13th. And we'll be making more announcements about that on the podcast. Um, you can sign up for my emails so that mm-hmm. you make sure you don't miss it. I will put the link in the podcast notes. Um, but until then, we hope you have a wonderful weekend and we will see you again next week when we share more findings from She Deserves Better on the next Bear Marriage Podcast. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>